Welcome to Stepside with Joel Johnson and me, Matt Howie. Each week we talk about truck news, truck-related items, our favorite trucks, everything trucks. Trucks, trucks, trucks. Let's go. Are you at home or are you back in no, Kansas I'm City? Ho- no, I'm home again. Uh, I went to Kansas City first time a couple years ago and it was like hip and cool. Yeah. Like, it's is like- it better than when you were a kid? It seemed like Austin. It seemed cool. It's going to probably pop off like in Austin here very soon. It's it just like, seemed like cheap housing and like there were good restaurants moving in. <laughs> I would be back there if Crystal would live there. But the one downside that slows it down is it's basically it's this like quasi liberal hip oasis. But there is mm-hmm. like nothing in any direction for like four hours. Yeah. So it's like once you're there, you're there. But yeah, man, it's. I'm really proud of them. They've gotten their shit together. It's really great. Yeah, it seemed like way cooler and designy than I ever expected. Welcome to episode four, and uh, let's probably just bl- fly through this news. Let's get right into it. Subaru Solterra has eight inches of ground clearance. Yeah, which is pretty good for an EV. Yeah, I've been watching the reviews of it. You know, it's funny how review days are really obvious now that there's like 20 prominent car YouTube reviewers that they're all in the same place on the same day with the same car, like an hour apart. A couple weeks ago, I was watching all the Subaru Solterra videos from like eight different people. And it's clearly they're driving the same dusty green car. But eight inches of ground clearance on a little crossover is pretty good for an EV. Like, I've never seen anything like it in an EV. So that's almost uh, what my Volvo Cross Country V90 has. Oh. So you know, Subaru is getting there. <laughs> yeah, Subaru's quest to replicate Volvo is is, <laughs> is continuing apace. I feel like there's going to be an obvious problem. Rivian's already talked about it. Like the electricity at a place, like you'd want to go far enough to use that ground clearance, but electricity doesn't tend to be out that way. So I think that'll always be the challenge with these. But I was I, I was impressed. It looked pretty. It looked nicely rugged and better than the Toyota version that it's a copy of. I I think the Solterra, we had talked last week or week before about the GM Equinox Mm. EV. There is a raft of roughly 30 to $40,000 EVs coming down the pike and releasing this year and maybe early next year that I don't think will presage this. Well, they will presage the switch to EV. It's not, it's still going to take another five to 10 years for the whole US fleet to switch over, but it's coming real fast. Once you start to have uh, the Solterra is such a great example of like what it will be successful for the same reason Outbacks and other Subarus are successful, which is not that they're great cars, they're merely okay cars but they have extreme brand loyalty. And so as soon as those people are ready to switch over to an EV, Subaru's got one ready to go. And also from a design perspective, I have no strong thoughts about the Solterra. I'm down, great. But a lot of people are complaining that the front has that black plastic cladding that's normally on the wheel arches, but now it extends up over the the front, like kind of into the front bumper. I'm like kind of into this look. Like if the future of car design for a while is like weird plastic that wasn't plastic before, I I know maybe it's not the most elegant thing, but I kinda I kinda like it. I think uh the Solterra and like like a lot of these crossovers coming out, they're not great at anything, but they're good at they're a little bit good at everything. So I think that's why they're just going to be a hit. It's exciting. I will I will end on this too cuz I I am sure we're going to have 
more EV this episode, EV news, but also just as things go forward, it's going to continue to be more EV news. But there was a little moment in Matt Farah and Zach Clapman's The Smoking Tire podcast this week, and I was kind of only half listening, but they were running through their cruise show. They'd gone on some big road and track drive, and they mentioned that there was a, at a track day with a bunch of different cars, and you know I don't know what they all were, some performance, some not, but they had a Polestar 2 that they let everybody drive. And Farah said that the every single person that was on this trip, when they drove the Polestar 2 on the track, did a faster time than every other car that's there. <laughs> and the Polestar 2 is not a beast. Like, no, it is kind not. of a utility EV. But, man, that's just the future. It's really <laughs> hard to argue with that, that much power. Yeah, I was just in an Uber yesterday with a guy going to pick up my GX at the shop. And he was like... Well, you know, he was saying in a negative light, like, oh, have you heard Oregon's going to ban like gasoline by like 2035? And I went, the market's going to do it probably faster than that. And like, there'll always be some gas stations for like lawnmowers and shit. But like, this is where the world's going, dude. And then we talked about like how much it costs per mile to drive an Uber and how he's looking for a Chevy Bolt <laughs> and like he used one and he thinks that's the killer. And I was like, dude, that is the killer. Like yeah. three cents a mile while Uber's paying you 50 cents a mile. Like... If you want, yeah, like, like this is, you know, going to happen. So. Here's, here's a hot tip. We're already at the hot tip times. Get uh -oh. a get a can of Coke, drink the Coke, and just pour a little bit of gasoline in the bottom and put it in, in back behind your, in the floorboards behind your seat, in your EV. It'll have the same experience. You'll get that slight smell of gas on everything. <laughs> you can feel like you're hurting the environment, and in a way you are, but <laughs> then you get all the other benefits of EV. It'll be fine. Uh -huh. In other news, uh, I saw that Ford has patented what is somebody called the crab walk, but that's what the that's what the that's what the the Hummer CVs yeah. called the crab walk. I think that's or a, a real turn. crab. Yeah, a it's a tank turn. I mean, I read the looking at this. I thought this was going to be a hybrid of the tank turn. It sounds like it's a tank turn. Rivian. It said forward wheels go well. The tank turn is left and right go different directions. It talks about front and rear and being opposite steering. But do you know the Bronco with a million options has a special off-road mode for the point turn? The the you know have you heard this? The like I'm drag not sure turn. I have heard this. No. Oh, it's pretty cool. I saw a couple demos of it. It locks the inside rear tire and guns the other three, and you can basically spin a You're Ford pivoting Bronco. off of your locked wheel yeah. in the back. And it's like a very special, it takes 10 keystrokes. I really want to do this. I'm totally off-road. I swear I'm not breaking any laws. And they want you to be on loose dirt so it actually slides. I can't remember what they call it, but it's like, it's this, you know, it's for, you know, four by four trails with a U-turn or switchbacks, you know, you can just like... So I thought this would be that as a patent, but it sounds more like a like the tank turn that the Rivian does, which it can spin in place by acting like a tank and doing left and right differences. But yeah, it's it's probably not going to be fun fundamentally that different than all of these like weird EV power turns that everybody is deploying, and very few people are. <laughs> it's clear they're at the the lawyers don't know if we can allow <laughs> people to use it stage. But you know, it was nice to see Ford doing something in here. But really, I think the 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 news more than anything is that, and it's not news. People patent stuff all the time that they never deploy. To be mm. clear, but this the way their patent was specifically around four wheel steering, and they had used a truck as the the illustration within the patent. Four engines. 
Dickens. Yeah. Yeah. So if anything, to me, that is a sign that one, there's probably going to be, and I mean, of course there was going to be, but it, there's going to be something past the F-150 Lightning that's going to be a ground up electric powertrain truck from Ford. And then even if not, that maybe that will get added to the F-150 at some point in the future. I will also throw in, there was a story on Motor Trend. I, don't, I can add it to the show notes later, but it's not in what we have now. But another EV company is now starting to do... Uh, very similar to what Bose had talked about doing maybe 20 years ago, which is to use like part of the rotational force as a dampening force within EVs. And also I think with still a stock suspension to absorb some uh, suspension impact as well. So I'm not going to talk about it because I'm already out of my depth, but (laughs) what's really cool is, and where I think we're going to start getting excited about in the off-road and truck world, especially over the next five or 10 years, is there's probably going to be a bunch of stuff around suspension that nobody ever really has tried to do before because it didn't make sense, but that having a high-torque, high-horsepower motor right in, you know, at every corner or on the drivetrain, whatever it might be, might actually even allow some weird gyroscopic effects and all sorts of really cool stuff. So if you're into trucks and you're like, why an EV? I don't need the range, blah, 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 blah. It's like, wait till they start being able to absorb whoops and jumps and all sorts of stuff, you know, better than a an ice truck. I think maybe. Yeah, I think all these things are attributable to like software. Like you can write software that lets you do all this weird stuff. And in the past, you needed transfer case, portal axles. You had to like Purpose do built. crazy hardware shit. And it's like, I mean... Someone inside of Ford could be a coder who writes, you know, a hack one night that could be deployed to cars tomorrow over the air and it could do it's just it's fun. I like seeing the creativity. No, I do too. It'll be deployed to lawyers overnight. The lawyer will <laughs> take it out of Git GitHub and run it through the law. Here's something funny, uh Volvo thing. I just randomly found this thing on adaptive headlights were just approved in the US. And they, mm-hmm. they mean just adaptive headlights that bend with the steering. And it's like my wife's Volvo has done that for a couple of years. And I love it on our curvy mountain roads where we live. And I'm jealous of it. And I was always like, I guess that was a Euro only option. And they just sold it in America without clearance. But it's totally acceptable for any new car in America to do that. I actually think you're wrong. And I'm really? so excited to explain this to you. So adaptive in the US, the curving headlights, Mm -hmm. that's been approved for a while now. I'd say the last decade or so. I have it on my Volvo. I actually think I might add something else. It doesn't matter. But you know, you turn the wheel, the the there's literally a motor or an actuator that like turns the light beam a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. It's nice. I wouldn't say honestly, it's something that's like a real game changer for me in in practical day-to-day use. But what we haven't had before, which is more of a factor, is in the newer LED matrix, or I think Audi and a few other people use lasers instead, to have adaptive headlights that will adaptively change part of the beam spread in response to something that's out front. And so I think that's what NHTSA, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, has finally approved in the US, which is to say, and and, and effectively how it works is, if you have headlights, let's say you're going down the you know back road, it's super dark. We've all been in a situation where you really want your brights because there's no other ambient light, especially on a cloudy night. But then somebody's coming on towards you on the highway, so you have to 
turn your low beams off, or maybe you have automatic sensors and that your high beams automatically go to low beam. Well, then you can't see anything, right. but you don't want to you know, blind the other guy. What this does is it actually can selectively block out where those other lights are at and where, you know, presumably where the car's at, and then dim just the section that would be pointing at them. It's pretty I've cool stuff. I've seen this on European cars for the last five or six years where frequently the left headlight goes to low beams but the right one stays on that's like right. it just bends the beam around them that's right that's what this is and it's been in europe for years and it's good that it can be happening in america well i mean there is a downside to all of this stuff and i i know on the volvo even just with my little you know motor adaptive lenses somebody was talking on the volvo forums they they got into something that wasn't covered by insurance where they were buying a replacement headlamp assembly themselves. And I think they said the used junkyard part was four grand. So Jeez. like, yeah, it's a lot different. It adds than the, complexity, like adding yeah. complexity to anything. And you can't can just change suck. one piece anymore. You have to change the whole assembly. So, you know, that's cars in general. Cars are becoming much more like PCs, honestly, where it's yeah. like, yeah, there's maybe 15 parts you can plug together but if like something goes wrong on your video card you got to throw away the whole video card and like that's kind of where cars are going it, it sucks in some ways it's good in some other ways but yeah keep your insurance <laughs> keep full coverage <laughs> hope you're hope you're good this is yours uh but i also saw this too from some forum posts that the Rivian R1S, the SUV version, is hitting the assembly lines in April, which is now. And I, why, what, no, don't blow your source. Don't blow your, don't, don't <laughs> blow your source. That's if how you I like, got the information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why, you know, what have, what have you heard? So I have a friend who grew up near the factory. This is actually, this is generic enough. I have a friend who grew up near the factory. He's since moved. I mean, he's been all over the world and he's since moved back nearby. And like everyone he went to high school with works there. So like he has deep inside knowledge and he ordered a truck recently. They put him on a friends and family list. He got the truck I don't know, a couple weeks ago. Like he's driving it now. He got pushed up like a couple of years ahead of everybody. Yeah, that this seems stuff, like he really pulled some cut. strings. Yeah, because it, it's like his, his best drinking friends from high school, you know, or like VPs or whatever. So he said, you know, oh, yeah, they're finally going to get the SUV line going. Like, like they finally feel like they're making enough headway on the trucks, even though they're not meeting demand. But I'm seeing photos like friends are showing me carriers. My brother lives in Irvine and friends in the Bay Area are just like they have a photo every day of a new Rivian truck, you know, out in the wild. But uh, but yeah, he said. He told me this a couple weeks ago, starting around April 1st, they're going to start producing the SUVs. They've only made something like 20 to date ever. And almost all those are like company executives and demo cars. But the very first, like the day one reservations from 2018 or something, if you want an SUV on day one, you were being quoted March, April of 2022. Like, like, so still they're says. actually hitting it. So I think they're going to try and hit those deliveries like April 30th so they can like make that real. And they're claiming that like I have a July to September window for this year and they're claiming that it'll hit. But I mean, not producing a single one yet makes me believe it'll be like September to December if I'm lucky or probably next spring. But Well, a Facebook group that I am in, which is a public group and I don't remember what it is because I'm in like 20 car Facebook groups. There was a photo in L.A. or at least it looked like L.A. to me of a an r1s the the suv just driving around with not it didn't even look like manufacturer plates so mm. you know it could be an early maybe an executive it's their car and they went ahead and registered it with the dmv but yeah they're coming i i teased a friend of mine though and said uh, a friend of mine that's a, a big rivian fan i was like 
you know, in real life, the 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 Grand Wagoneer looks a lot better than I than I thought it was. It, the R1S from the rear actually looks quite a bit better. Or it looks quite a bit like a, the new Jeep Grand Wagoneer, except better. Like I it just, still looks better. I just saw my first Wagoneer on the streets yesterday, and the back end of it went by. Someone may have left in front of me, and I went, "Whoa, whoa!" Like that looks like a Rivian, and it wasn't. And I was yeah. like, "Dang." Wow, I've that seen, is boxy as hell. I've wow. seen one Grand Wagoneer on the road in real life so far, and I, I had the same, uh, like, it's like it, in pictures, it looks quite a bit different than the design language of the rest of Jeep, but when mm-hmm. you see yeah. it on the road, it doesn't stand out as much as you would maybe think it would, but it yeah, has it looks- that weird uncanny valley thing where you're like, well, that's a Jeep, but what Jeep is it? And yeah. then, yeah, it kind of clicks it, in. It's like a fancy suburban kind of, like, clean, but, man, yeah. the back end really looks similar to the... R1S, although they've changed the design of it a couple times over the years, so I can't remember which one's the real one. Like I've forgotten boxy. that you'd you'd reserved a, a 1S, R1S instead of an, which, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about why that might be is another time maybe, but it, it looks nice. It's like, I think I'm a pickup guy from now on, but you know that I've had several SUVs as well. Like, I don't... Don't don't hate them, and I think like just for a normal driving around car, which most Rivians will be anyway. Let's be real. I, you know, there's a lot of arguments for the SUV. So Stellantis has been dripping out some Jeep EV and Ram EV news. I had originally kind of had some boring stuff. I thought maybe I'd talk about some executives were talking about. What I thought was very funny was a 15-year blueprint to switch fully over to EV where <laughs> it was know. like out of all the other manufacturers whether they hit those numbers or not they're like they're at least trying to be like by the end by 2030 we're going to yeah. get there and Stellantis is still like you know let's call it 3540 <laughs> like it's when we can switch our fleet over there but is... <laughs> then this today there was more interesting news because and I barely had a chance to look at any of it, but at, I believe, one of the Jeep Jamborees where Jeep always shows off concepts mm-hmm. to, to, it's like a fan event. They had a Magneto 2 concept, like nice. a new version of a EV Wrangler. And the the road track says <laughs> that it was a 2.0, two second, zero to 60 time claimed from Jeep, which is <laughs> faster than anything maybe ever, ever hmm, possible, i hope but... i get a chance to see this it's might show up in utah wow yeah it's it's the moab it's the jeep safari that's yeah, right yeah, i thought it was yeah. a di- it, i'm the, taking the... off tomorrow for moab because some knucklehead friends i used to work with i think they got the week off this week the easter week off for their school system and they're they were like hey let's go then and someone immediately said that's easter jeep week it's gonna be fucking a madhouse and they're like well it's a time I can get off, so let's just go. And I'm like, okay, we're going to try and avoid everyone and mostly do mountain biking, but I hope I accidentally see this Magneto. It's also kind of interesting, too, at least for this concept. And Jeep, you know what? I, I always bag on Jeep. I realize this is something I should, you know, I'll, I'll throw them a bone. Jeep is awesome at building concepts that they, like, bring out to the world And they're not concepts that they may inform a future product launch. You know, they built something. Why am I spacing on the name of the Wrangler truck, the pickup truck? The uh, Gladiator. The Gladiator. Thank you. Like they built some kind of truck style things before they came out with the Gladiator. Obviously, they've had, you know, trucks like that in the past. Their Wagoneers concepts have looked beautiful for 10 years. They do really cool, fun stuff. But then they never make them. (laughs) I mean, they make some of it. I mean, look, the the thing is about Jeep is especially on the Wrangler. And I, I mean, this is. 
for for the record, not that anybody, you know, not that my opinion really matters, but for any listeners that want to know what my opinion is on Jeep, it's basically like everything that's not the Wrangler is fine. Like I have no problem with it. I just you know, to me, it's I feel the same about the you know a, a Cherokee as I feel about a, a Subaru, an Outback. Yeah. It's like they're cool, they're fine. If you like them, it's you know no, no big deal. Whereas the Wrangler, even though it's not my preferred four x four platform, largely because I don't need a solid front axle for anything I do. I'm not that hardcore. They're not. They haven't traditionally been built that well. Yada yada. There's all <laughs> these things, but like. I don't love everything the Jeep Wrangler does, but goddamn, do I respect it. Like I, the Wrangler is an icon. I'm so glad that it's going to continue happening. I think what Jeep does with the Wrangler brand is awesome. When the Bronco came out, that was much more my speed, but it also made me go, man, the next Wranglers are going to be even better because they got to get up there. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm, it's awesome that they're still leaning into the, the EV stuff. And from what I have heard from some car reviewing friends and uh, some people that have them, the Jeep, Wrangler 4XE, the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid version of the Wrangler, very good. Like yeah. totally a nice, uh, nice little uh, runabout. So anyway, yeah. it's people cool said to, cool those little electric like motors help out. I wonder if the push to EV is going to help out with. I saw some news blip about how like the EPA is suggesting 40 mile per gallon averages by like 2032 or something, and I was going, huh, that's half impossible. It'll never happen. Half. Well, if we put a turboed four-cylinder in everything, we could get close. But an EV, if you have a, if as long as you release two or three EVs, they're getting whatever virtual eighty to hundred miles per gallon of fake, you know, gas mileage. You could probably have an average across your fleet of forty. Yeah, the fleet the fleet mileages are really interesting. The the end of the Obama administration, they had ramped up some of the fleet averages to try to set new benchmarks for the the. Right, the, like auto, the automakers, thirty. Yeah, it was something in that. Years. It was yeah. something in that ballpark, and then of course Trump came in and and like yeah. turned those back down. But you know, it was it was kind of silly the Trump stuff. In so far as it was clear, even in the Obama administration, or relatively clear that EVs or hybrids or some new powertrains and power you know energy sources were on its way. So these fleet averages are fine. And great, but they're also the kind of thing where the government is setting some standards a little bit like it's still the 20th century. And, and, you know, and, and I'm, I'm all for more efficiency. Like, why not? That just pushes for better engineering. But the EV switchover, and certainly as plug in hybrids become more EV than ice, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's a future kind of like your I3 where maybe the gas is just a generator or it's a hydrogen fuel cell for long range or, you know, special occasions. Yeah. I'm not too worried about the fleet for the new cars hitting it. The yeah. question is of course, you know, can, will everybody be able to afford that? When can they switch over? But like we we're saying at the top of the show, like $30,000, you know, equinoxes and things like that coming out of coming out of general motors and, and uh, Honda as well, I believe, are going to do some things like that. Like e- EVs just coming. There was a last minute addition. I really hate that this show is ostensibly about trucks, but we're going to end up talking about EV stuff like <laughs> half the time for like yeah, the next, yeah. you know, five right. years. For, yeah. But there was also a last uh, minute thing that I didn't get a chance to look at today. But apparently the Biden administration is also they are they are considering trying to legally establish that all EV charging stations need to use one standard and have full interoperability, which would be great so but would piss off elon musk how would they do that i mean adapters 
uh, they would have to have adapters. They would have to sue. Like I, you know, I don't. I it's for like, Tesla. I'm on not the, sure. On the West Coast, it's not that bad. I would say you know, there's level two. Sometimes there's level three. You know, non-Tesla charges around. It was pretty easy to road trip around in the I3 in little baby steps of 50 miles. But, you know, watching the smoking tire guys from Canada, they're like outside of Toronto. It is horrid. Like half of every EV review they ever do is check out this thing broken. We're using this Electrify America, you know, oh, charge. And are like, you talking about the straight pipes? Yeah, straight pipes. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Those guys like it sounds like the whole Toronto area is so fucked. There's just I mean, all there are, are Tesla chargers and there's nothing else and they're constantly broken. And there, there's piles of snow. You know, like they snow plow, cover up the EV charger and shit. Like, there's going to have to be subsidies. I, yeah. I never worked on this when I worked for car companies, but I talked to people who worked on it. And, and, and I did actually do a concept once with basically like a creative agency. It wasn't like a big business proposal where we were going to try to concept up the gas station or like the truck right. stop of the future, mm-hmm. like which was going to be, you know, everything you would expect, right? Like, <laughs> like beautiful coffee, and, yeah. yeah, right, right, and like acoustics. You what's what's Stuckey's or the the what's the Bucky's cheese? Uh, what's the cheesesteak place on the East Coast? Oh, like the Geno's mass, and like oh, the Wawa. Mass, yeah, yeah, like just a, like. I Since went when to is one... Wawa's a cheesesteak? Like this shitty mo- cheesesteak. This is East Coast erasure. <laughs> right, yeah. So, like, I spent all of 10 minutes on the East Coast. I remember driving to D.C. last year, the year before, I guess pre-COVID. And, like, those things are, like, supermarkets. Those are bizarre. Just, like, this immense hot food available. Yeah. At, well, there's – there's places. the West Coast doesn't have the mega chain gas station. And, and we're, we're – we're doing great on time, so let's take a double click on the gas station. I have a lot to say here. First of all, in East Coast, this is largely a PA thing, but it's basically a Wawa versus Sheets is the other That's big it, like yeah. chain. I'm a Wawa man myself, <laughs> but honestly, Sheets is quite good as well. The thing I really like about Wawa is you can get a hoagie, and the they have Old Bay that you can order, and so you oh, get a nice. nice like. Like maybe an Italian combo with like extra Old Bay on it. A very good stop. And then in Texas, you have Bucky's, B-U-C. Right, which is E-E's. ginormous. Yeah. And then in the Midwest, where I'm from, there's Quick Trip, which is not as good as those other three, if I'm being real, certainly from a food <laughs> standpoint. But they are generally the best gas in town anywhere that you're going to go they they source uh, and and make sure they use high quality gas and they also they have some like they have rooster booster they have like they have some like nice little in-house brands that i like but honestly and pa like those things are are legitimately good and it would only be one more step to like make them a place you could lounge yeah because like when you think of an ev charge your visits going from three to five minutes or whatever less than 10 minutes is ideal for getting gas grabbing a soda or something to like you need 20 to 40 minutes so what are you gonna do with people for 20 to 40 minutes like let them go eat a cheesesteak i don't know movie theaters i don't know what else it's gonna be a race between recharge times because Mm -hmm. the new ionic 5 from hyundai I believe on three fifty watt fast chargers recharges to full in forty minutes or something yeah. kind of crazy, and then does like a really heavy duty charge. And same with like the eight hundred watt Porsche system. Like mm-hmm. you can you can do ten minute top ups that are sixty seventy miles, like pretty right. appreciable Which is enough stuff. to get home probably for most right. people. So it's like it's going to be a race between technology and local real estate prices. Like if. If it makes sense to build a new type of gas station that's more of a complex, 
then maybe somebody will do it. The problem has been, and man, this could be no more on the beaten track discussion, but the, the problem is just as much tied into how much do people actually want to use retail and go out because 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when people were starting to think about where are these charging stations going to go, where, of course, we'll put them at the mall or we'll put them at Walmart or we'll put them like where people are going to go anyway and spend an hour. Well, now more and more frequently, people aren't certainly malls. People aren't going to those <laughs> yeah. places. But really, the question, I think, for for our purposes of, of like what the kind of stuff we're into and why I'm still not looking as an EV for my next truck is I like to go places like the, you know, Montana, Idaho, like even up into Canada. I go to places that I don't know where the next charger is going to be. And then, yeah, maybe I can get to a charger before I run out of battery, but it might be in the wrong direction. Yeah. And so I would be totally fine with a powertrain that is 80% EV, but I still need some sort of gasoline situation to be able to like do my last mile. This is probably, this is Joel news. This is only stuff that I care about, but I, but I have to say in my day job, I'm doing more and more systems and logistics work around transportation. And while I've always found that stuff intellectually uh, stimulating and even, you know, I, I, I've said for ever since it came out, like one of the most interesting automotive books ever written was Tom Vanderbilt's traffic. Cause it was just like a systems analysis on how cars work. Like uh, it, that was all inspired by ask meta filter. Oh really? Was it? Yeah, he says it in the intro and he's like emailed me like when it was published going, thanks for that. Now what's meta filter? I've never heard of that. It's this dumb online site. I know I'm going to check it out. It's like yeah. And ask meta filter. He once pulled on, like he went, he logged on as Tom eight, four, six, nine, two. I'm a nobody. And he just asked, Hey, I was just like, I think he describes like Washington DC traffic and he was running up a merge line and he was looking for gaps and he dropped into a gap and he's like, people are honking at me and flipping me off and like, what the fuck? I'm more efficient. We're all more efficient because of what I did. I took it and people are, and so everyone fought just like, fuck you. Yeah. God damn it. Like California, I feel like it's a blood sport of like, who's the last person to merge. Yeah. And when you come to Oregon, everyone's like, please know you, please know you. And it actually backs up worse. And that was his. You know, that kind of drove the book. He said this one thread, just everyone exploded in every direction possible. And he went, whoa, people have a lot of opinions on this. I better write about it. Yeah, no, that's I I didn't know that. That's awesome. And also the zipper merge, I, I the zipper merge thing that really cracks me up is I live in Westchester, which is the suburban county just north of New York City. And, you know, it's pretty big county. So like right at the bottom is Yonkers. And like it's, you know, the Bronx just sort of segues into Yonkers and mm -hmm. up to White Plains. So it's like... Uh, you know, I'm not saying it's like the sixth borough or anything, but it's still very crowded and congested and urban. But then when you get up towards the top, like you go another 30, 40 miles, that's where I live. And it's not country, but it's 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 definitely more spread out. And I have to do a like mental shift between like my levels of aggression. I wouldn't <laughs> say people up here are are like they're certainly not at like Oregon or Midwest sta yeah. uh, standards of like, no, no, no. And like, please, like we're all, we're all humans here, but I have to turn down the aggressiveness almost mile by mile as I go North, because in New York city, it's like, it's actually very easy to do because it, 
it's consistent. So everybody is driving like crazy. And so you can just like presume you got to take your chance when you get it. But then as you segue out, like you realize like, oh, I just cut off a little old lady. (laughs) I should probably (laughs) chill out here for a second. Uh, I should also sometime tell you uh, the story or tell the story on the podcast of what it was like to drive a lifted Tacoma with an ARB bumper through Manhattan every time I wanted to go leave anywhere and what it's like. What I learned about having an even more deadly death machine in a city full of bicyclists and and pedestrians, it it, it was, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, every, t- every time I'm in New York, I'm like, why? Why are cars allowed in this downtown Manhattan? Like, it just feels like the entire center of it should be no cars or only taxis, like no private cars. It's it's moving that way. And yeah. a lot of people that live outside of the city, I think, and even and when I say outside of the city, like, you know, like Connecticut even, people, even even honestly, like further up Long Island or on Staten Island or whatever. There's a lot of those folks who I think are like really offended about the idea that cars might be removed because right. it is actually easier to get into the middle of the city sometimes with a car than it is with a train. Not all the time, but sometimes. But just like London has a congestion tax, I think it'll Manhattan and and Brooklyn and Western Queens, like I think those are going to slowly shut down more and more. And and even post COVID, they closed a lot of streets down in COVID to allow people to have more pedestrian space. And and a fair amount of those are still closed down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can be both. You can be an urbanist who thinks that cars should not be everywhere. And you can also love a lifted <laughs> truck that you're going to take to, you know, a semi-appropriate place to yeah, use a yeah. lifted truck. Yeah, we contain multitudes. The quick note I was going to talk about, though, is that Bright Drop, and I'm only saying this for an enthusiast podcast because in five to ten years, these things are going to be what people are going to van life out of. <laughs> Like, uh-huh. but Bright Drop, which is GM's like weird little subsidiary van company, effectively, hmm. like continued to. They, it was basically a branding thing. They were called something before, and now they're like, oh, oh it's, it's going to be called vans. Okay. E four hundred, right? Yeah. Which Ford, the other, you know, there is the Ram Promaster and and stuff as well. Like Dodge or Stellantis does make vans too, but really in the U.S., certainly in van life conversion stuff. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's not fair. There's a lot of people that do convert the ProMasters, but it's usually like Ford you have Transit, Ford Transit, right? Whereas GM, for years, they still made the Safari because they had this little niche market of companies that had built like either equipment that fit into a Safari, like, and a Safari is just like an old Econoline. It's that right. it's an old style, like '80s '90s style van, and it was it. But GM never made like a, a Sprinter or transit style like high roof low wheelbase van but that's what bright shop is basically going to be except it's all the ev fleet only the the news here is they haven't abandoned bright shop yet don't like they may yet it's gm like they may get they may decide you know right at the cusp of success that they're going to bail on it but i think it's cool more people are trying to play in the ev van space and i'm curious to see if infrastructure that ford and GM are currently building right now for fleets to sell to fleet customers, delivery, you know, mechanics, just everything, work vehicles, if that will actually be to continue the thread that we were talking about a few minutes ago about where the charger's gonna come from. There's part of, in my back of my head going, I wonder if the chargers are gonna be more for work fleets, and then that's where the infrastructure comes from, and then 
people will be able to use them when they can't charge at home as well. So anyway, we'll see. Maybe someday here in a, in a few episodes down the road, I'll actually dig a little deeper into Bright Drop and, and know what the hell the platform is. As I was uh, surfing around for Maverick stuff, I found the Ford Maverick wiki in the Ford Maverick truck subreddit, and I'll just link it in the show notes. And I was like, this is the most complete, all the, inf- all the basic info about everything you could possibly want to know about this in one place. I didn't even know Reddit had wikis. Like, I didn't know that pretty, either. Yeah, it looks pretty standard. I think with, you know, there's probably a tool that, you know, one subreddit asked for and they deployed it to everybody. And I just see it used so rarely that like I was amazed by this. But like, uh, yeah, if you need to know the rear departure angle, you know, depending on which bumper options you had, you know, they've got that. I had I had texted you as well. The Autopian had that little article about you could how people had hacked in cruise control into their Mavericks that didn't have <laughs> yeah. cruise control. But between that and this, it's very clear. We, we 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 said it. I think maybe in our very first episode. But there's no more fun community to be in in trucks right now than the Maverick uh, community because it's fun when it's a new vehicle. But this is a new vehicle, a new platform. It's a cheap one. It's not a high end thing. So all the aftermarket stuff is going to be relatively affordable. I would. I I definitely am kind of kicking myself that I did not pre-order a Maverick because I could I could use one right now and I would be yeah. having a lot of fun. I've always called them reference platforms. Like I love it when everyone gets the same thing at the same time and then everyone starts tinkering and then everyone starts sharing. And it's like I remember when the Mac Mini came out. I remember when I do remember in the early 2000s when the Xbox 360 got hacked and people were starting to put media center software on it and like. It was just like day by day, you could just run into a forum and there's just some brand new giant leap that someone's made in the night. And it feels like that with the, you know, like I was go, I was looking, I found this by looking for like a soft tono, a tonneau cover for the bed. I was looking for one and it's in a list of here of like, there's every bed liner available. There's every, like someone's done like user reviews of all the, of the different things. But I was realizing, man, like people are lowering them now and sharing stories of airbags stuff. Like there's going to be kits available soon, I'm sure, for all this stuff. But it is it's fun as hell to see like every every week there's like three new cool things for it. Well, I'm about to put the 991 on Bring a Trailer, and I have been Sweet. saying that I'm going to sit on that money until the Ranger Raptor <laughs> comes out. But what if I got a Maverick in the meantime? Because who knows when the Ranger Raptor is going to come out? Right. Late, late 23? Like who knows? Can I go that long? And also like I need a truck to haul stuff around in. Like, Yeah. <laughs> The other cool thing was a friend reached out asking for help on his new Toyota minivan and it had DLNA. Do you know what this is? Like it's a streaming protocol. It's kind of like, it's like Bonjour is, you know, to Mac file systems. Where so it's DL- like a handshake protocol that says th- I, I have can interrupt videos. with you. Okay. Yeah. It's just for video playback. So like when you take a United or an Alaska flight today, as long as you have the like apps, you know, like the Alaska app or the United app. When you get on the plane, it's like, there's 700 movies. And you go, what? And like, you you just join the Wi-Fi. You don't have any outside connection. There's literally a Raspberry Pi somewhere in the plane mm. that just has a one terabyte drive with like shit tons of movies on it. And it plays it back. That's like DLNA. It's basically like, it just announces to the network, hey, I've got all these videos. Does any player want them? And he had this in his car. So I was just like, what? And I went down the rabbit hole on it because he was trying to troubleshoot. He's trying to set up like, you know, iPads on back seats of the, you know, for his kids to go on long trips and let them. And he's, he, I mean, he's a software writer, so he wants to write his own front end for like pick a movie and everything. Like he's, he writes JSON all day so he could do this. 
But like I, I was a just amazed this somehow got into like a production Toyota. But then going on Reddit, there's like basically someone has hacked into like there's an inverter, you know, with a plug. Here's a Raspberry Pi. Here's what software distro I use on it. Here's how it auto boots up when we start the car. Like he, someone had like 30 seconds to movie playback from turning on the car to firing up a Raspberry Pi. It auto logs in, auto broadcasts, and then like you can start playback. But so far he was trying like USB sticks and iPhones and hacked Androids with side loaded shit to have a server with all the movies, you know, and I'm like, you know, you got it's gotta go Raspberry Pi. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like there's not and it turns out that's the only one people have gotten to work. But I just can't believe like a production car has this like really bleeding edge piracy stuff. <laughs> like is how I think I think it comes from like the Plex world, like like which Plex comes from the Xbox Media Center. It's like people hacking things to do home theater playback and stuff and all, every Plex server can be a DL and A server and but it's just like a, it's just like this forgotten protocol that's just out there. But it's fun to see it in a car. Yeah, it's funny because I mean, most of that stuff is is except really in the high end EVs. Most of that stuff is off the shelf, right? Like they're not building those operating systems. They just go right. That used a lot of them used to use Q and X, which was like a Unix variation from that. I think BlackBerry owned the license mm-hmm. to. And then, you know, Windows for a while, Windows CE ran a lot of center stacks, Google, Sidebase. And, and there's there's a bunch of different OSs that have been used over the years oh, how and many, still are used. And how many times do you see a DivX sticker on cars, like almost till today, and you're like, that was a standard from like 2006 for like piracy. Like, what yeah, the but fuck? they bought the license for 20 yeah. years. But what's the, I, I do love the car hacking community. And, and actually, like, one of the things that's bumming me out right now is, you know, the, the two vehicles I have are, you know, one is we're going to keep it for a while, but it's just a station wagon. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really want to mod it, not in a way that I worry about reversing it out (laughs) and the other one is a car that i'm getting ready to sell so i'm like well i don't want to mess with that but there is the car hacking community when it comes down to what you know hacking in the in both of the classic senses i guess which is like either unlocking features that are already in there by working around the drm or even just like the you know hidden limitations that stuff is really cool And then there's also a whole bunch of stuff happening now around embedded computing, some in Raspberry Pi, but what I have noticed, there's another kind of hardware standard called ESP32 that you can buy. Yeah, I think our, it's, it's. It's, yeah, it's basically yeah, it's in that family. With, yeah, that's basically what run used to run my lights and stuff. And so there's a couple of projects out there that, again, we, we can talk about another time when I learn more about it and dig into it. But they actually will will like uh, alligator clip into the CAN bus twisted yeah. wire itself. So it's not just that you it's not just like programming something through the, an OBD2 port, mm-hmm. which like a lot of like your off your shelf tunes do where they just yeah. kind of like hack through it and then reflash the ECU. Like some of these people now are building stuff that in real time is grabbing CAN bus frames that are how your that CAN bus is the it's the Ethernet of your car. It's Mm -hmm. it's the network standard of your car on how a lot of different modules communicate and actually grabbing frames from that stuff and then doing things from there. And so one of the cooler projects that I had scoped out for a while was a lot of those also if your car has a gyroscope built in, which many cars do now. But if they don't, you can plug into another one and you can start to do all sorts of really interesting like lighting effects or brake lights or all sorts of interesting, useful things by 
adding a sensor package to your car that doesn't come from the car today, but is also still informed by, oh, you hit this RPM, so I can now do this or, or whatever. So <laughs> that would be that's, funny. Interior lights going red when you're at red line. Yeah, be... yeah. It's so basically part of the reason I'm getting rid of my nice sports car is because I'm toying with the idea of buying another beater that won't be nearly as much fun to drive, but that I can turn into the extremely obnoxious, like dorky, like smart car plugged yeah. in with like all sorts of screens and tech that I it, the... it won't be good when I'm done, but I will enjoy it. There was a, the video does not sell it, but a man rigged up a flashbang in his truck because he was sick of somebody breaking into his truck. And there is security camera video of the guy trying to break into his truck. The guy was quoted as saying, I don't want this guy to die for what he did, but I don't want him to just be able to smash and grab and run away. You can't, it's deeply disappointing. I was waiting for the moment where you see the flash and the, and like the, you know, CMOS and the camera, like whites out, like <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to be this great moment, but you just see the guy kind of smash it and then lean in to start searching for stuff and then freak out and run. But I, I like this. I like this guy's, I like this guy's you style. You still end up use, losing the glass. You know, you're still going to have to go through a day uh, of getting I mean, glass replaced. But you taught somebody a valuable lesson. Yeah. And I'm sure that thief will never break into a car. Have you, have you, <laughs> have you seen the set, the Tesla, the millions of Tesla Century Mode videos that like, I didn't know this had become such a thing that people, young people know about is that, you know, a Tesla that you start messing with is going to start recording you and it's going to start warning you. So there's basically like people performing for a Tesla. I mean, it's almost like TikTok dances outside of a club because... They're like, hey, check out Tesla. Let's go fuck with it. And like, there's just hours of these videos. And I'm just like, huh, people know this. Wow. They That's really funny. As we're wrapping up to put some notes in for things to keep an eye on is that there's another self-driving tractor trailer long haul company starting to do some road tests down in Austin, a company hmm. called Aurora. And then, then Winner is the other company doing it, which I think is like a regional carrier in Texas. I'm not familiar with hmm. them, but they're going to do a, there was a story on CNBC. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. That they announced Wednesday that they're going to start a pilot test of self-driving tractor trailers, blah, blah, blah. We'll be operating a roughly 600 mile stretch of highway between Fort Worth and El Paso, which honestly, that is going to happen. It makes total sense. Like I'm yeah. the biggest self-driving end-to-end skeptic out there. Well, I'm not the biggest one out there, but it's a it's going to be a long time, in, in my uh, opinion, before steering wheels go away, for instance. Yeah. But, you know, you already have uh, Super Cruise from GM, Ford Cruise, Blue Cruise, whatever the mm -hmm. Ford one is. Like, for long stretches a highway we're pretty we're, we're in pretty good shape to do that now and there's no reason to expect that truckers shouldn't be able to throw it into autopilot it, it has turned out the physics of i think if you might remember like 10 or 15 years ago there was a lot of talk that trucks would ba basically be able to form like land trains and yeah. then be able to draft <clears throat> in the back of each other yeah. apparently the physics of that have not turned out to be as good as uh, expected yeah it was a bummer I guess uh, when you're the same size, it's probably not as adva advantageous of, I mean, I have slipstream behind a truck at 40 miles an hour on a bike and it was like no effort whatsoever to go 40 miles an hour. Yeah. I, 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 this is something I read but like I was six much, or 12 I was months much ago. Smaller. But... Yeah. 10 years ago, I was a huge self-driving's around the corner. It's going to come here. And, he's, and then like, and then I thought of, I don't know, I think maybe working at Slack and seeing how like tiny, like sending a notification to someone at the right time is so fucking complex and there's 600 if thens that make that happen. I'm like, dude, and also teaching a child to drive, uh, 
boy, if you if you are a fan of self-driving, like teach a 16 year old how to drive and like just trying to teach them. There's 200 things going on at any one time, always, constantly. You're taking in so much information and like it's only my four, like 30 years of driving experience that makes me think about all this shit. But, but self-driving trucks, I was, you know, I was trying to explain this to my daughter, like self-driving trucks should be, they should be like the tractors. You know, have you heard about the John Deere's of today with the GPS and like it's the It's not Netflix? of today. It's been that way for yeah. 25 years. That like, I think like a, a shipping a tractor trailer semi, you know, shipping furniture from Pennsylvania to Texas, like it's going to be intense human interaction for the first 20 minutes to get out of Philadelphia, to get out of the loading dock, to make sure everything's right, get on off the surface streets. When you hit the highways, especially if construction's minimal, that's so predictable. Like software can do that. They don't have to worry about 200 things at once. They only need to worry about 20. But like coming into another city, going into it, you know, changing from open highway to city mode. I mean, they basically will be lazy boys that you can watch Netflix on for, you know, 90% of the trip. But I think at both ends, we're always going to need a human driver for the next, God, 15 years, probably 20 years. I was driving to a friend's house today to do some work on a project we were doing together. And, you know, his his address is, you know, it got me to the house and his house is on a little bit of a hill. But his driveway, you have to go all the way around up the hill, drive through somebody else's property. He's got a whatever right away, whatever easement. And and then and you kind of just have to know that to be able to get <laughs> to him. And like that's not something in the near term that anything's going to be able to figure out. Then you add snow. Then you add ice. Then you add rain like there's all of these the the last mile is all of it it's like the 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 last one percent of of the use cases are going to take just as long as the first 99 but it's it's actually like the frosting on the entire cake because on the west coast we're just always like there's so much fucking road construction and every road construction i approach and go holy shit what is happening where am i supposed to go like i can barely as a super high i mean we need like turning complete computers to be able to decide Oh yeah, it looks like it veers left and then right, and those cones mean that, and this means that, and the flagger guy is waving at me in a certain way. Like that shit's never going to be in software. But ADAS, which is the I actually don't know what ADAS stands for. Assistant driver oh. actual smells. I don't know. <laughs> but ADAS is basically your lane keep, your you mm-hmm. know your driver assistant stuff. That stuff is already here. It's already excellent. It's going to get better. And I really like you know I'm. In my head, what I'm planning on doing with that Raptor, with that Ranger, really, the Raptor is just for fun. But that machine is going to be, if it's like any of my other long haul, long distance trucks, I will drive 2,000 miles in three days <laughs> so I can get on on slab concrete straight at 80 miles an hour. And then I will get to a city or a mountain range or, you know, stretch a desert and I will run out into that desert for two or three days, but I'll only be, you know, I'll only do a hundred miles or 150 miles because it's dirt roads or, or you know, fire roads, off road, all that kind of stuff. And that's cool. Like I am, that's great for me. But when I turn back around and I have to drive home, like I'm not trying to drive a, you know, big crazy lifted truck, or I'm not. I don't enjoy driving a big crazy lifted truck on an interstate for miles and miles and miles. It's just like who, who would really, it's not a big deal, but it's not great. Whereas 
once, I mean, I think it's entirely possible in the next Ranger, this will be an option if they're certainly going to have adaptive cruise control, which is like a must have for me. And if they have a version that has blue cruise, I would absolutely spring for that because I, it's not like I'm trying to, you know, do a Sudoku. I'm not trying to like (laughs) do anything else. I don't mind looking around and being on the road, but it just makes the whole experience of burning miles a lot better. Yeah. And same for truckers. Like that's what their job is, Mm. is just burning miles. And you know, they, that's already a hard job. Like we should really, I someday, and I know very little about it. Maybe we should bring some people on. And in fact, there's some excellent trucker podcast that I heard of, but I'd love to start talking a little bit more about like the tractor trailer trucking industry, because like what a, what a world they have, but anything that makes it a little bit easier for them and a little less hard on their mind and bodies to do their job, I think is great. As long as it doesn't take their jobs from them, especially, yeah, I, I think it's yeah. good. But yeah, it's not something I think it'll make the middle the parts easy. But yeah, yeah, it was like that last trip Southern California I took. I drove 15 hours in one day and caught up to a zillion podcasts and had like, I, d- I showed up not even tired or stressed. It was just like, it was so chill. And like tomorrow I'm taking off on a 1300 mile journey to get to Moab and like go 50 miles and then turn around and drive 1300 miles back wait what are you bringing to moab i'm taking the gx 470 like okay so it should be good we're gonna do some gnarly trails we're trying to stay away from all the jeep trails you know that the the you know hoi polloi are gonna be on but uh, <laughs> it should be fun yeah but i was like no nah, i'm not looking forward to like it's got twitchy steering and massive tires and like this is gonna be so boring and stressful on the freeway that I would love to have be one finger driving while at auto lane keep assist. That'd be fine. Yeah. It, you'll be fine. I drove my Land Cruiser from Oregon to Death Valley, and it was it was it was okay. It was yeah. fine. I think we're probably hitting on time. I will yeah. I will throw out a quick shout out. A friend of the pod, Bob, has left Road and Track to become the new editor in chief of Jalopnik, which is going to be a real adventure for who old owns Jalopnik these days. Is the Gawker Media still? Which Gawker is Media has of... been dead since okay. Peter Thiel killed it, and it was bought by Fusion. Univision. Until, yeah, Univision until Univision started to die and then it was sold to a a private equity company called well at least what they wrapped it up in is something called geo media so basically it's all the old sites i don't think anything has been spun off and in fact you know you've still got the onion and the root and some of the other Mm -hmm. conglomerated sites from the univision days in there too love love bob love jalopnik like i you know i wish them well but yeah you know that's a it's a funky it's a funky (laughs) company to work for right now (laughs) or to head into in 2022 and to that end i'd mentioned them before but two former jalops torchinski jason torchinski and david tracy both of whom are truck guys but tracy in particular massive like gearhead jeep guy their site the autopian is live as of last yeah, week i believe it's, and it's already up. doing some good stuff yeah i'm starting to see it just float into twitter and stuff like yeah i saw it yeah, the other day so i was fun. like who is this when did i follow them probably for the first episode that we ever taped yeah that's right <laughs> yeah it looked fun as hell um, all right we'll have fun in moab all right yeah i will come back with a full trip report when i get back Bye. See ya.